What's good, y'all? Welcome to another edition of the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. I am your host, Big Brother Jake, a.k.a. Jake Warner, my government name. And once again, we got a fantastic show for you. First up, segment one, show number 1435 titled, What's Wrong with Questioning the People that Are Wrong?, which aired on June 10th, 2021. Adam and Dr. Drew talk about Drew's emotional experience of watching Singing in the Rain, which led to Adam talking about a New York Times article that describes men and women wearing skirts. And Adam has a very strong take on this. Check it out. I've been thinking a lot lately. Oh, it's almost, almost, I don't know why I sigh when I go down this path, but I'm thinking about it a lot. Hmm. That... Well, I, I've been having crazy thoughts lately, super mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, I like I like sat down and watched Singing in the Rain last night, mm-hmm. and I had like an overwhelming emotional experience watching it. <laughs> what year do you think that movie's from? Uh, the forties? I think it was fifty one, forty nine, fifty one. Mm-hmm. Gary helped. The title, sorry. Uh, Singing in the Rain. It was early, early, early fifties, like fifty, fifty one. I'm going to guess, mm-hmm. but it still had all the vestiges of the forties for sure. Fifty two. Okay. Uh, Probably shot fifty one. To be fair to Drew, there you go, right on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just went down this crazy. Oh, I'm thinking about loving. I'm, I've been talking a lot yeah. about freedom, and I'm going to get that in a minute. But that, that's not the emotional part of what I was. Well, Gary, I, there's something I've been thinking about that uh, Gary can look up, which was a New York Times article from a couple of days back, maybe op ed, probably about uh, how nice it is that now that the Summer's Upon Us, uh, it was a sort of rebuttal. I don't know if it's a rebuttal, but uh, the book called, I don't know, The Girls in Their Summertime Clothes or something. It's a famous book of a story about the guy going out in New York City in like 1939 and now mm-hmm. the weather's turned and the women are wearing skirts again. And it, I've always heard those stories from guys who lived in New York who said uh, once the weather starts warming up, you get to see all the women going out in their dresses and their skirts and they're beautiful and they're walking up and down through Manhattan. Uh, but the New York Times columnist take is now there's a lot of men wearing dresses and this is a good thing, <laughs> although there's not. <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's well, it so, but West I'm, Village, I'm, maybe. I'm going along, I'm, I'm going down your road with this, yes. which, which is the road I'm going down with this is, um, is there anything from the past that we could just leave the fuck alone and say, well, it was okay. Like singing in the rain. Okay. Good. So God that's one it. of the, like, Oh, not enough people of color were in it. You know, so if we have to go back, so it feels like societal sabotage. It feels like. We're burning calories, fucking up our world. And and their thing is like, oh, no, we're just going back and sort of getting to the truth yeah. kind of kind of thing. Well, I think you might enjoy my thoughts because that's mm-hmm. exactly what I was feeling. It's one of the reasons I got emotional. It's like, oh, back then, these people were – they were celebrating. They, they were trying to bring happiness to their audience. Right. And, and I thought about – and, and it – in, yes, and there were not enough people of color, and it was not necessarily reflective of society and the struggles at the time. Intentionally, right. it was a big fantasy. It was right. they were trying, and, and they even they, they're self conscious about it. They say it in the movie: "We're just trying to bring some happiness to poor people struggling in their lives out there." And but think about it this way: This is where I, the path I went down. I started thinking because I used to treat 
people who were in their prime in the 30s and 40s, right? I, mm-hmm. I got a deep connection with that population. And it used to bo- they used to bother me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't really understand them. And, and that's a function of our generation. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I was in the shower this morning thinking about this. Is this interesting? Because I, I, I'm going no. somewhere with this. All right. It is that they were not genuine. And are real, and we wanted real in our generation, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we wanted. Mm-hmm. That, that was our thing. They were full of affect, and they were, they, they were, yeah, they were singing in the rain versus Billy Jack. Exactly. I mean, I, and I just I thought about Catcher in the Rye, which was all about that. You know, they're phony. They're fo- phony was the worst thing you could be. Right. And and these people were so invested in their persona rather than their personhood mm-hmm. that when I would try to get them to stop smoking, which is what I was doing in the '90s and early 2000s. They would start sobbing in my office as though I was stripping them of their core being <laughs> because mm-hmm. they were the person that stood with a cigarette lighter and, and had a martini in one hand, a cigarette in the other, and that was who they were. That was mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I couldn't relate. But I had a sort of an epiphany last night as we move into the new generation that wants to destroy everything that has come before it that these people were celebrating a lot. They, they were really trying to celebrate living and they were celebrating, they were celebrating America, mm-hmm. and and they had and they were doing it in a way that was un- disconnected to how good they really had things. Mm-hmm. Because I was looking at it, going, "Wow, they 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 could just they they were just it was just on in 1938, and they were celebrating. And like you said, the, when summer would turn on, you'd appreciate the people walking down the street in their great fashions and stuff." The rest of the world was not doing so great at that time. There was mm-hmm. a lot of struggles elsewhere that mm-hmm. we had. It was like oblivious. Mm-hmm. Then I started thinking, okay, so what was happening was literally every seat in every theater would be full watching these movies. I mean, mm-hmm. think about it. Mm-hmm. When you saw the pictures of the audiences, every seat was full. And mm-hmm. people were well-dressed. That's why theaters are so big. They would fill every goddamn seat, every episode, all the every showing because – there was no television. There was radio, but real entertainment was you'd go out to the movies, right? You couldn't go to the theater. It was too expensive or there was no theater. And that industry that was doing that, that was celebrating, that was putting up things like Singing in the Rain and was filling every seat, it had only started like 30 years earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean it's literally the, the duration of time that I was on Loveline, mm-hmm. for instance. Mm-hmm. And, th- and 20 years earlier, you had – other sorts of artists that, to me, were doing the same thing. Like Chaplin mm-hmm. was kind of doing the same thing. He was sort of – there was something celebratory in his little dances that people were connecting to. Well, and, and it, 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 so the, uh, the understanding with entertainment was we're going to try to bring some joy. Into your life, and, and it came out of the vaudeville. You're right; it came out of the theater, but but it was more. Something different, new was happening. It was a think about it. It was a new technology. Same thing as the internet. It mm-hmm. just happened to be celluloid films that you projected on the screen. Mm-hmm. New technology. Mm-hmm. It centered in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and if people were part of that new technology, think YouTube, mm-hmm. you could become known all over the world mm-hmm. just because your image was on that new technology, right? That was changing how we saw the world. But there was something very American about the whole thing. That's what mm-hmm. I was sort of thinking. But go ahead, the joy. Well, uh, you entertained to bring joy. So y- your audience 
in, in terms of entertainment was uh, no different than a children's hospital or an old age home. You'd show up in your clown outfit and you would try to put a smile on the face of yep. your, your audience. Yep. You know, that was sort of the plan. You weren't there to burn them or to lay some inconvenient truths on them. You're just there to entertain them. At some point, entertainment, we, 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 there was a thing that happened, which is we decided that we must use this platform for some greater social good. And well, it, be, it, be, it started being considered an art. Yeah. yeah but I mean, I and, think and a I, political instrument. Right. Just people said, you have this platform. What are you doing dancing and telling jokes? Right. And, um, and it kind of started as, you know, probably sincere and it made sense. Like, oh, yeah, you do have this big audience. Why are you wasting it just telling knock-knock jokes? Mm-hmm. But it's kind of morphed into this sort of preachy, morose, kind of anti-American depression that that is now sort of become. And if you look all, you know, look no further than all the movies that um, are nominated for film of the year by the Oscars circa now versus, you know, 50 years ago. Obviously, it's a completely, it seems in, insane. But what movie, what what movies out of the seven, eight, or nine, or whoever they nominate every year, are there any that are sort of celebrate America? No, it's the opposite. Right. It's the so, exact opposite of what that was. That's, why, that's right. why I got emotional. It was the opposite of what I'm seeing today. Right. And so... And it's sad. It made me sad. Well, there's this, there's, there's this interesting thing in that they think somehow there became this movement. It was kind of from the seventies, of course. Which everything is like, bad came you out need to sit down and Ugh. tell your eight year old like how bad things are. Yes, and, and about know, sex while you're at it. And about <laughs> sex and and about everything. You need you need to just go ahead and lay that on them, yeah. and we're going to start with the ozone layer. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then we'll just keep going from there. Yeah. And at some point that became noble, but it really it's really a way to ruin kids' childhood and and to make them miserable. And we're probably reaping the rewards of that harvest now. Mm-hmm. You know, we planted the seeds yep. in the 70s, and yep. now we got a bunch of fucking miserable 50-year-olds <laughs> out there. And I uh, I can never... I can never figure out what's in it for them other than uh, all roads lead to narcissism. Of course. But, but there is something... There is there is something so appealing about it to people, and then it's repugnant to other people. Which, in in an interesting way, isn't that the divide right now between the people that want to be sheep and wear masks and lockdown versus people that find that repulsive? Welcome back to the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. Once again, I'm your host, Big Brother Jake, host of the Big Brother Jake podcast here on Podcast One. But you're not here for that. You're here for the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. So let's continue. Episode 1481, uh, Lisa Lampanelli, one of my favorite comedians, uh, she stopped by the show, which aired on October 7th, 2021. And she didn't disappoint. She held back on nothing. And it was nothing but laughs. Check it out. Uh, welcome All to right, our good. guest. Yeah, I just acknowledge 
to make a grunt. <laughs> well, I thought you would get right into it. So. And our guest is Lisa Lampanelli, who we both love dearly. Yes. Thank you. Oh, my God. You look great, oh, both of you. You have not changed in three years. <laughs> and I definitely have just gotten better. You have. I know. It's weird. I think not working is great. I think people who get the F out of the comedy business are just happier. Yeah, let's uh, talk about that. So yeah. you've retired officially, I think, 2018. Yeah. Coming up or right around your three-year anniversary. Yeah. Right? Of not doing stand-up. Um, I, funny, I'll bring it back to you, Lisa Lampanelli, but sure. I was talking to uh, the guy who invented CrossFit, right? Yeah. It's kind of an interesting guy. Grew up in the Valley. Brought the company up from zero to multi-million dollar franchises, everything else. And about uh, a year ago, he, get, he got canceled. Mm. So you get canceled from the company you create, which is the New World Order. Yep. He got canceled, and they just cashed him out. And he's like, best fucking thing that's ever happened to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I just do whatever I want. It was my greatest fear was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. I, I do what I want all day, every day. It's awesome. Yeah, I feel that way, but it took, I was just on Drew off the air, it took like three years to actually start to get the balance right, because at first I was like, oh, I'll just jump into something else, and I'll help people, and I'll do like a a big podcast, and I was like, oh, that's really stressful, I don't love this, yeah. and then it was like, I'll do nothing, I'll be the chick who sits at home in gardens and hangs with my rescue dogs, and if you talk for a living for 30 years, you just can't shut up. <laughs> You have to do something. So now my mother passed away about, oh, it's her birthday today, passed away like three, four months ago. And I was like, okay, I finally have no obligations. What would I fill the calendar with if I just wanted to have fun? Hold on. Your mom's dead. <laughs> Matt, I need that edible arrangeable. See if you can catch the van before. It. Oh, my I God. I just had your mother's birthday circled, but See, I didn't hear it about that. It is also her birthday. Yeah, but that, that's perishable shit I sent you. Yeah, 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 well, you, gotta you get know, back. she's going to love it anyway. You know, the Cancel dead that, enjoy Matt. the rotting fruit. But thank God, you know, everything is fine. But I was like, wow, I'd like to do little things that don't look to anyone else like a hobby, but to me do. Mm. So when I started my podcast that I just started a few months ago, I'm like, oh, it just feels fun. There's no pressure for it to be – actually, there's pressure for it to be good, obviously. No one wants to put out shitty work. But who cares if it gets a ton of listeners? I don't need to make any money. It just is peaceful. So I think CrossFit guy was right. And I think I was right to get out of the business. Then cancel culture started. I would have been canceled for sure. Oh, yeah. There's no way you could have done the jokes now that I did back then. So I'm like, oh, this all was divine intervention, which I believe in. And I think it's like, wow, this could be a good life if I keep daily getting it into balance, which is hard because it gets out of whack, then back into pleasure and just balance. I I have a strange sort of I I didn't tell you this. I, I I. Read Viktor Frankl while I was mm-hmm. coming back from France, which is Man's Search yeah, for Meaning. It's sure. about this, it's this psychiatrist that was in a concentration camp. It's it's insane. I actually I actually interviewed a author who did this research on the guy who created the concentration camp. So I've learned more about this stuff than I want to know. But the one thing that comes so vividly uh, to light with his stuff is we all, we're a meaning-making machine. We always got to be doing things that feel meaningful or, or we're making meaning of – it feels like that's kind of what you've been. Well, I agree, to. and I think I at first thought I had to have meaning with a capital M. Yeah, 
And when I got out of stand-up, I was like, everything has to have that infusion of huge meaning uh, to the world and uh, to me. Uh. Now it's like I do like 12 little things with small M's, and I'm like, oh, this is cute. And if I look at my calendar, I literally, for the first time in my life, don't dread anything. Mm-hmm. Like I will – even friends, dude, like COVID was horrible, but it was good for me. In one case, I cut out some people who were sucking my oxygen, draining me. And by the way, it wasn't their fault. I was volunteering for it. You know, mm-hmm. I kept them in my life just to maybe have meaning, uh, oh, I can fix them Oof. as if like I could heal them or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it really feels like, OK, finally things are coming together in a good way. Were you doing any codependency work along the way there? Oh, dude, I went to codependency rehab. OK. okay. There's a week long okay. program that I went to and I was right. like, OK, girl, you got to slow your Because that's what it sounds like. Like oh. that's a major shift. Well, here's yeah. the question, though. This is really funny. I had dinner yeah. with friends last night who were really successful uh, writers and we we're all just like the food stuff never goes away. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to see Dr. Drew tomorrow and talk about and ask about why the F are we all still, me and them and probably most of the world, still attached to food as something for comfort? You know what my instinct is on that question is essentially that nothing ever really goes away. Oh. You just sort of learn how to manage it differently. Right. And it, either, it doesn't well, bother you What about your hair so and your look? <laughs> That goes away. <laughs> that go away. That goes away. Oh, well, so we have but, some but I mean, to. But I mean, the things that are <laughs> in teeth, us profoundly. Teeth, sight. Teeth, yeah, it goes too. Hearing. Sight. Eh, Moisture in the nether regions. Yes, right. It dry goes vagina, away. Dry vagina. Your vagina has so to dry true. right up, I'm sure. But No, no, you're right. Um, but but the point being is that these things are really in us in a you know very wired kind yeah. of way. But we manage them differently. Right. We manage them entirely differently. We regulate them differently, and that's what changes. Well, oh. that's what changes. Let's talk about yeah. food for a second, because yeah. I am the same with everyone else. You look forward to it. Everyone's yeah. sure. stricken with this. I've found, like personally, the only realistic way to really deal with it, um, because there there becomes this thing. It's it's an interesting phenomenon, which is uh, I grew up poor. I was always hungry. I kind of had to make had more construction, make my own lunches. You know, it's like I couldn't afford to eat off the lunch truck back when lunch trucks were lunch trucks. They were called roach coaches and they da 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 da. Yeah. And uh-huh. <clears throat> And now I have enough money to go do whatever all the time. And I'm constantly going, no, keep walking. Don't stop. You know, literally, wow. literally. Well, like, I'll give you an example. Like, I was eating there. They were watching football with the guys and somebody was ordering food, you know, and he went, this place has killer shakes, you know. Now, normally, I wouldn't order a shake because it was $6 or $4 or whatever. That that put me over the top. But now it's not the money. You're just looking at someone going, I really want this shake. I can afford five. I don't, I'm not having one. You know what I mean? And it's a constant, whatever. But for me, I think the only thing that works is I go, I will treat this meal like, like the treat it is. And I'll just put it at the end of whatever I have to do that day. And I'll, I'll fast it. I'll exercise. I'll work. I'll do whatever it is, but it'll just sit out there. So, and then I will go enjoy it. So here, if so, I, if I enjoy it midday, I've lost my momentum. But, but that is that management issue again. You're, you're putting it downstream because you can manage it. You can't put it away. No. Then, then it will, if things, everything will explode. No, back. there's some hickama waiting right. for me at the end of a long <laughs> work day with some right. locale ranch dressing. Right. Like, that's not going to do it. Right. You yeah, had well, to push what, it downstream. What the whole crazy thing is, you know, having had the weight loss surgery, kept most of the weight off, 
I still am like, why? I am just still obsessed with staying the right size for me, mm. with the right, quote, quote unquote, right size. Um, you can eat tiny little amounts, but I always am attracted to only carbs, sugar, and everything like that. And I'm like, dude, will this ever end? I feel like I'm going to be, I'm 60 now. I'm going to be 80 at some point, probably still working on my fucking eating. And I'm but, so sick of it. But then you're going to go to town. Oh, yeah, that's Cross true. I'll burst that fucking, yeah. I'll burst that sleeve open. I don't give a shit. It's such a drag because food starts at birth. You know, with the codependency and stuff, that didn't start until a little later. So I was able to work on that and figure it out. But this is such a primal it's issue. It's a deep thing. And it, it may yeah. be even genetic. Who knows? You know, it might Oh, definitely. Be. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, hey, you know what? We're all still working on ourselves. And, and, and it, it can have many different sort of features, too. I mean, some is it, some of it is the relationship with appetite and how we manage appetite. Uh-huh. Some of it is the relationship with the actual experience of chewing and biting and swallowing some of it is the the taste some of it is the full stomach there's many different things that different people respond to right you you each of us has our own little version of what it does for us and what what the issues are you know it's not just eating yes (laughs) there's all kinds of experiences within eating i think you'd find this interesting that one of the few times i didn't come home and want a quote-unquote snack was I had dinner three weeks ago with two women. I always hang out with people younger than me. I don't feel like I'm 60. I sort of have the attitudes of like, oh, there's still hope. There's still ways to work on yourself. And when you're over 60, sometimes people just give up and they're like worried about their taxes. Fuck you. Like, you know, come on. So I have women dinner with these two women that I consider peers. And I was like, wait a minute. It was so fulfilling. The three and a half hours of connection. I never have dinner that long that I didn't come home and feel like, oh, I want to fill that hole with food. Right. So you fed it so with I, something else. N- with nothing. I was no, you so, fed oh, it, with, you it, fed it with the actual yeah. connection. So yeah. I think that might be the key. Yeah. Oh, always. People are always the key. Yeah. Always, always. Connection, yep. framing, holding. It's always there. We'll be right back with more of the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. Welcome back to the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. Up next, episode 1501 titled Marathons Are Racist, (laughs) which aired on November 17th, 2021. Adam and Dr. Drew go into depth about racial backgrounds and their take on how society is the main factor regarding genetic heritage. Plus, they take your call. Take a listen. I find certain uh, regional... And they're probably ethnicities because these are regions that have been reproducing together for long periods of time. Extremely appealing to me, like visually, like uh, attractive. Mm-hmm. And Czech is one of those for me. And I, mm-hmm. it's it's almost weirdly uncanny. Mm-hmm. Like I can I can I pick it up mm-hmm. right away because it's in my sweet spot. It's in my mm-hmm. zone. Mm-hmm. And you know how particular I am. I'm literally weirdly <laughs> passionate with my sweet spots. Yeah, yeah. Is that weird. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah. I guess, yeah. But I mean, why should it be these little narrow? And what is it about my own? And and by the way, if it's well, something that's because society right. enforces their their standard of beauty yeah, on you. That's what it is. It's not beauty is anything it, to anyone all the time and every time. But society drills down of and course. says you want. And, and I find the males blue a, eyes. A particularly kind of attractive too. But but be that as it may, they're they're. I'm, I always wonder, is there something about my own genetic heritage that that sort of an echo it calls upon? But then I think that makes like almost no sense because we should be much more interested in genetic diversity. We should be interested in people that are very different from us because that, that creates a healthier population. 
Mm-hmm. So it's probably – in reality, because we don't understand genetics that well, there's probably a balance between the two that you can kind of get right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Of Getting the best of a certain population that has some good genes in it but also admixturing other stuff to increase the pop- – anyway, Oscar, the insurance company we were talking about on, on Monday, you said that that commercial jumped the shark for society. It's a black man talking about – Doctors not believing them because they're black, and now there's. But that's systemic. Pla- that's systemic racism. You keep asking for evidence of systemic racism. That's what people point at. Stuff like that. Well, they so don't why really point they? at that. But the, let me explain something. But but you should know that in my anybody, profession, they do point at that okay, as an evidence anybody, of systemic. Whenever anyone who talks about systemic racism is asked about systemic racism, racism, they don't point at anything. Because they point at, at inequity. You know, they, they point at, well, look at look how much better white kids are doing in math, outcomes. whatever. They point at, at, outcomes. They point at outcomes. They yeah. don't really point at, okay, but okay. We're asked, you say, the, you say the system is systemic, and then you keep pointing at outcomes. Yeah. And so it, it, it'd be like me saying um, marathons are, are racist. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go, how come? And I'd go, because Kenyans win every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's the outcome. Right. What, 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 what is actually racist about the actual event? And I'd go, look who wins every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's not the event. It's not, it's not they're running downhill and white people are running uphill. It's, it's the same thing. They just happen to excel at this. Can we accept that? No. I think we do in the in, in, in when sports. it comes to marathon in sports. That's why you like sports because you kind well, of well. No, that's why everyone loves sports. Yeah, yeah, they love yeah. that. Yeah. So what's systemically racist? You're looking at an outcome. Kenyans win. Well, you understand that a lot of people that make these cases are interested in equality of outcome. Uber Alice, right? Like whatever it well, takes. That that is the most slippery slope society can offer well many have gone down that path whether it's china or russia or you name it there have been many that have tried right unfortunately we have a new generation that has seemingly no exposure to what happens to that right or that they imagine it will be different this time which is (laughs) right so uh i said it's a jump the shark type moment because how long can you talk about systemic racism before look when something enters uh, okay it's like when you turn on the tv you study the commercials you see where we're at as a society as i always say you see gay couples frequently on television now mm-hmm. you see mixed race couples Frequently, maybe exclusively, I feel like I haven't seen a white couple in a, in a while. Um, now, if you'd done that 25 years ago, people be confused. What are these two fellas doing? You know what I mean? Why are they hugging? <laughs> these two fellas. <laughs> Why are these two fellas hugging? What, what, wait a minute. We, they're living together, and yeah, that's their roommates. Yeah. And who's yeah. the kid? Then? Yeah, it must be a dad. Maybe water damage, and he had to move in with his friend. Like, he would not even know yeah. what was going the on. Divorced dad had to move in with his friend. Yeah, like odd couple style yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You wouldn't. Yeah. Now, what I'm saying is, is we don't explain it 
today, yeah. in 2021. It's yeah. just, it's a gay couple. Yeah. No one, we don't know. have to announce you're gay. Right. There's, we don't have to, there's no backstory about, well, he moved in because, uh, you know, no, it's just, just is what it is. It just yeah. is what it is. Which is, we would call a good thing. And he, he, as a black man, yeah. just goes, and of course, black people don't, you know, not listen. You don't know. Now, the point is, is he doesn't even have to explain it. It's just, here we are. You know what I mean? You go, oh, yeah, sure, black people, whatever. Uh, bad sign for society, man. Why, why? Tell me. Because well, it just means we've been beating this racist drum so hard that eventually people, whatever whatever's going on from a societal standpoint, at some point people are going to try to make money off it. Right. And so, see, to me, I think this is a good sign for, for a couple reasons. One is people, once once capitalism kicks into it, then people get pissed. Then like, oh, I see. No, I, money. I don't think it's a good sign because but, I think you're basically you've willed this thing I know, into existence. It's, it's BS. That doesn't really it's BS. Exist. Yes, but you should know my profession has responded to this very rigorously and very seriously, and uh, there are going to be a lot of of uh, physicians of different races, particularly black. A lot. They're taking care of business. They're they're changing the, the profession, and good. Because then this will look silly. So All you're right. saying, you know, anyway, so there you go. All right. Uh, Brian, 42, Huntington Beach. Hey, guys. Uh, I've been a fan long before uh, medical information and the voice, being a voice of freedom was cool. So I appreciate everything you guys have been doing. <laughs> Thanks. Um, since that mattered more. Yeah. Um, although I, I love the comedy. It'd be nice to get back to the comedy and, and not have to. You're saying, Adam, with all you're saying Adam's stuff, not but, funny? Is that what you're saying? How dare you? Just let him talk. <laughs> Sorry, Shank. Go ahead. Anyhow, so um, I, so I was I was calling regarding some conspiracy theory stuff, but uh, I should call it hypothesis to be honest. But um, I don't know how how much you're willing to dive into that. How deep I, I, you I'm interested. Go. I'm interested. Go ahead. Okay, cool. Tell me if you want to fast forward because I might have too much stuff Uh-oh. here. So well, you can fast forward right now. Just no, like, go ahead. Drew doesn't need to be have a comment I'll, next to it. Just let him let him go. Yeah. Go ahead, Brian. Okay, uh, here we go. Uh, I'll go straight to the highlight. So, have you heard of Event Two Hundred One in October twenty nineteen? No. Okay, so it's it's crazy that people don't know about this, and I was like letting people know. So, October twenty nineteen, there was uh, an event. It was called Event Two Hundred One. It was a War game style, uh, pandemic war game. Oh, tabletop. yes. I'm not, aware of this. Know, not, I, I'm not, aware of this. Yes. Yeah. And it looked awfully like, right. like weirdly like what actually happened. It, it was run by, yeah, Johns Hopkins. Um, yeah. I, I'm not, by the way, I'm not claiming to know motives of anyone, including people like Bill Gates. I'm not claiming to know stuff I don't know. But, you know, all these organizations are involved in this stuff that there typically are, but it happened to be a simulation of a worldwide coronavirus mm-hmm. respiratory pandemic mm-hmm. and they you know in their simulation they claimed it maybe came out of south america that's pretty much the only difference um and they did this you know two months before anyone admitted covid existed and they act and so you know the the guy who claimed covid existed at all uh from wuhan the hospital in wuhan he was told by his state uh, hubei province state and i by the way i have fam- i have a uh, family by marriage in wuhan so i got a weird perspective on this but um, the uh, he was told to stop spreading, you know, quote unquote lies. Yeah. He was told by the state of Hubei, and then that thirty-four-year-old doctor refused to stop 
warning people. And then he died. And uh, he he died. He was 34 years old. He died of COVID back when we all thought that that was a likely outcome. Now Mm -hmm. we know that that's bullshit, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And two of his colleagues died in the same hospital all in one month. So this all, this all, so far, everything you said, I I think, can be corroborated, corroborated factually. It's not, it's not conspiracy theory at this point. The conspiracy theory kicks in is when you make something out of this horrible coincidence. Yeah. So, (laughs) well, we don't know the doctors dying (laughs) is a horrible coincidence. I agree with you, China. Maybe, maybe not. Right? Oh yeah. He was thirty-four years old and he was very healthy. This is not an open America. Yeah, you're right. I agree. Highly unlikely. And and by the way, I fell for all this stuff. I was was going to the grocery store in March 2020 with my gloves on my hands. I fell for the whole thing. Yeah. Hey, listen, um, I I was. Hold on. I was in. I've been in discussion groups with groups of high-level academics again. When I and I asked the question, I go, "Well, why do we do this?" What, it, they, they two answers. Why, why do we lock down? Why do we do these excessive things? Why the craziness? They would always say the same thing, which I find stunning now that they can say it out loud. A panic, and B because China did it. Right now, look, well, I'll, I'm going to go along with you on a few things, and here's my conspiracy theory. My conspiracy theory part of this whole thing was we started calling it Trump, especially, you know, China virus or Wuhan virus or whatever it is. And it was immediately attacked. There was an attack for labeling the origins of the yeah. virus. That that seemed a little but that, that seemed a little suspicious. Number one. But right. number that was just an attack on Trump. They wanted to get him out of office. I get it. But the other part of this is when anyone started floating the lab leak theory, how everyone turned. Racist. uh, You're racist. Well, it was racist, but it was also tinfoil hat. Right, right. Kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, why are they protesting so much? Right. I have family from Wuhan, and uh, although they're very anti-CCP, you know, although they have some family still there who are not, but um, they... uh, when I heard that, that it's racist to say it came from the virology lab, which is documented, well-documented as studying gain-of-function research on bat coronaviruses, well-documented. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, this is all and true. When, when I heard that, and they said that's racist, but you know what they said is not racist? That some Chinese dude was eating some right. crazy animal. That's he right. decided that's the not racist. Story. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. No, you're, you're thinking so far is just factually correct. Right. So no, nothing well, is to, conspiracy. I'm trying to start with the part where you guys... Well, hold on. I... For me, it's always easy. Uh, Lab leak, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. Well, where's all the pushback coming from? The media is pushing hard, you know, hard. It's like, over what? It came from a lab or it didn't come from the lab? It was Trump derangement to begin with. Yeah, I I get it. But what do you know over there at CNN that I don't know about this lab or about ivermectin? When you know nothing, I know nothing. My answer is... Why do you fucking have any say in what a doctor does with his or her patient? I don't know. That's the part that gets me. That's it for this week. Thanks again for listening to the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. Remember to check back each week for new episodes. And while you're at it, don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us five stars wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Big Brother Jake. Thanks for tuning in. Deuces! Yo, what's good? It's your boy, Big Brother Jake, a.k.a. Jake Warner. My government name. Check it out. I host a show called the Big Brother Jake Podcast. 
And I've taken my talents to the biggest and baddest platform on the planet. That's right, baby. Podcast One. My show is unique as I talk about everything. Life, sports, entertainment, being a single dad juggling several jobs. (laughs) I'm a hot mess, but it's damn entertaining. Subscribe and review now on Apple Podcasts and listen on Podcast One or wherever you get your podcasts.